Get ready for adventure. Islands of it, man. From the studios to Volcano Bay, this is the Universal Joint, a podcast devoted to all things universal with your host, Jim Hill and Dustin Foods. Welcome to the Universal Joint Podcast. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill. My co-host Dustin Fuse and I are recording today's show on Sunday, March 10th, which comes just three days after a very sad occasion, which is the passing of Sid Scheinberg, the longtime president and CEO of MCA and Universal Studios. Dustin and I will be discussing Sid's 20-plus year career with MCA and Universal in the second half of today's show, but... But first, let me bring my co-host in here. Come on in, Dustin. And I have a question here that perhaps Captain Jack Sparrow would ask. And where has all the rum gone? You know, that's a question I've been trying to answer for years. Uh, but I think we've actually mm-hmm. found the correct answer, especially right now. The answer mm-hmm. is Low Sapphire Falls Resort. And uh, they're doing an all-new rum dinner. So it's it's actually an event that's being held Saturday, March 23rd, starting at six o'clock. It is a hard ticket uh, event, which starts off with reception where guests can grab some light hors d'oeuvres and really enjoy the experience starting out, you know, getting their palate all warm. And then they go through some rum samplings and then they're uh, seated with a special five course dinner where all of the items on the menu are paired with crafted items or crafted rums from uh, Mount Gay Rum. Now, that specific style of rum, uh, the brand of rum, is distilled on the Caribbean island of Barbados. Now, all of that is included in the cost of your ticket. Now, when we're going through an idea of what a rum or you know, someone who really enjoys uh, good food, good eats. It's all about knowing where you can go and when you can do it. So with this, it's head on to the Sapphire Falls uh, website because you're able to get advanced tickets. It's actually fairly reasonable when you look at the fact that it's that five course menu. So it's $70 a piece. Then when you factor in the 18% gratuity and the ticket itself uh, costs what is at $87.97. But actually pretty cool when you look at the entertainment value. So on top of complimentary self-parking or a $5 valet parking uh, charge, which from what I can tell, not valid from for overnight hotel guests, but you know, it's still all these Mm -hmm. these little things uh, will will definitely make you want to head over there. When I'm looking at this type of an event, you want to make sure that you're getting mm-hmm. the best of the best. So head over to um, the Lowe'sHotels.com. It's right front page. Keep in mind, it is a 21 and over age limit for this event. But we wanted to make sure that you knew about it before the event comes up. Is this being held in Strongwater Tavern or where was it being held? So it's at Amatista cookhouses uh it's a a private dining room which a lot of people don't have the chance to go and check out and i think with Mm -hmm. these types of dining experiences universal always plays second fiddle to to disney but this is one of those where they're able to put the chef and his his team those skills right front and center so i think definitely something to check out I'm a big fan of of strong water, not necessarily for the rum, but it has the most tremendous sort of balcony outdoor patio space. It's a great place to rest up and watch the boats come back and forth. They're saying that it's they actually have a collection of more than a hundred rums in that tavern. 
Okay. <laughs> Speaking of hard ticket events, I guess we should also mention there's another one coming up. However, this one is on the West Coast, Universal Studios Hollywood. Given that it's happening inside the walls of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Hogsmeade, this one has no age limit. This is the new nighttime projection show. It goes up in Hogwarts Castle, and this one might be a wee bit frightening uh, because it it's actually celebrates the dark arts at Hogwarts. You've got the dates for this one, right? Yeah, so we're, we're looking at Thursday, April 11th, and Friday, April 12th, 2019. Looks like it's going to be a, a pretty epic experience the first tier event tickets cost 199 dollars and includes general admission to uh the universal studios hollywood uh from 4 p.m through until Mm -hmm. the premiere event which starts at 6 p.m there is a second tier which costs 249 which is a day and night combo so that basically includes all day general admission to the park on top of the premiere event so that's actually a fairly reasonable upcharge when you're thinking about heading out there for the entire day. So from 6 p.m. through until 11 p.m. on both days, event ticket holders will have exclusive access to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And then it'll run at Universal Studios Hollywood uh, for from the 13th through until the 28th. And then after a brief three and a half week uh, long hiatus, we'll return to the theme park for the long uh Memorial Day weekend, which is May 25th to the 27th. Got it. Now, this show has been announced for the Universal Orlando Resort, but we don't have any any opening dates yet. Current rumor is that it might actually be held till June and then debut in the same window of time that Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure, which... And in a weird sort of way, it is actually kind of clever because there's a teaser ad out right now for this new uh, Hogsmeade attraction, and it basically says something to the effects of the, the dark woods are off-limits to students, or until now, anyway. So when you think about the dark woods that you'll be exploring with Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure and the dark art show that's going to be projected onto the castle, that's, that's kind of an interesting one-two punch. There's displays and signage showing up around property right now for Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. But you were saying, what, you were poking at the official site and hadn't seen any official merch yet? Yeah, it looks like in-store and on the website, it looks like it's just the same merchandise that's always been available Mm -hmm. with various magical creatures uh but nothing really that is sticking out as official merchandise so no t-shirts nothing like that but there is a sign Mm -hmm. that is in the main gift shop at islands of adventure which actually states you know hey it's hagrid's magical creatures motorbike uh, adventure in the the font and looks like the logo so it's it's one of those as we get closer to Mm -hmm. the time hopefully we'll be able to see something more official come out but as we're going through this lead up, there's a lot of hints as to what's actually coming out. And one of them is the vehicles. Now, over the last few, probably week or so, we've been seeing uh, testing mm-hmm. of the, the ride vehicle. Hasn't been seen in the daytime. It's all nighttime. <laughs> uh, so you can kind of tell the outline and, you know, the idea that they are testing with the water dummies and... So they're out there uh, basically nightly at this point. 
We haven't seen the official announcement yet, but by the time our show will go live, because keep in mind, we are recording on Sunday the 10th, Mm -hmm. on March the 12th is when everything will go live. But we've kind of seen most of the details in all of the 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 original announcement for the ride and you know these these nighttime uh, tests. You, know, you gotta wonder at the fact that they're testing at night now. How much of this has to do with our buddy Bio Reconstruct? Who I don't know if that guy's feet ever actually touch the ground. He does such wonderful work with all of the flyovers of the parks, and they're. He always seems to have such great up to date info. Yeah, I I reached out to him a, a number of months ago just. His stuff is just absolutely incredible. And mm-hmm. if you are a theme park fan, doesn't matter Universal or Disney, you you have to go over uh, and check out his his Twitter because it, it just seems like daily he's he's uploading not just flyovers but also in park news and you know things that we wouldn't be able to see for those of us who are not down in Orlando every single day. It's nice to have, as they say, eyes on the ground. There you go. Um, Now, I I thought we'd take advantage of the fact that we've got this new projection show uh, debuting in Hollywood on Hogwarts Castle to sort of take a step back and and talk a little bit about the origin of the show or or more to the point, you know, in effect, it's it's kind of another one of these fun Disney Universal arms race moments. I mean, first show of size, the first one that sort of caught people's attention was back in January of 2011. This was when the Magic, the Memories, and You show debuted at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. And surely you saw that at at some point when you were down at the park, Sesson. Oh, absolutely. It was amazing. Yeah. And this was the show where the gimmick was that that they were capturing through PhotoPass pictures of people throughout the park. And then they, they were inserting their images into the show and... You know, great idea on paper. I don't think it actually worked all that well in practice because, to be honest, a lot of people had no idea they were included in the show. They had no idea their their picture had been grabbed and was part of this thing. We found it funny just standing in in front of the castle and, you know, it may be a a horrible weather day. Mm -hmm. And then you'd see photos that were obviously not taken from that day. There you go. And that kind of stuff happens. But it, it was a great draw to have PhotoPass and the projection show kind of working hand in hand Mm -hmm. because it was the first way that I think people started to realize that PhotoPass is more of a story. And it's not just, hey, let me take this photo. It's, no, we're going to take four or five different photos of this interaction and you never know whether or not, you know, it, it, it... Okay, so let's step back a little bit. A character experience is more than just a single image. It's you meet Mickey, you get the hug with Mickey, and then as you're saying goodbye to Mickey, you get the photo of him waving and saying, hey, we'll see you next time. With that type of a thing on the castle, especially saying goodnight each and every single evening, it was just incredible. It also showed the limits of how people wanted to have their their images kind of put into this Mm -hmm. Uh, so I definitely saw that when the magic the memories and you were was going through the uh, the process of hey how many photos do we actually need every day Mm -hmm. those numbers were shocking absolutely shocking for that show they had very specific photos that they needed for certain beats in the show that sort of thing you talk with veteran photo pass guys and and ladies 
they talked about how they were trained to yes catch the the arrival catch the goodbye catch the interaction that sort of thing and again i'm sure you've been following the whole automation thing that's going on and and the notion is that disney has evidently created an algorithm that the computer has studied millions upon millions of photos and knows the images that people will buy and Mm -hmm. it goes for those images which i i'm waiting to see when when this gets implemented and the images that come out anyway getting back to projection mapping and the differences between say the way disney uses it universal september of 2011 we have halloween horror night 21 at universal studios florida and mm-hmm. here's universal's first use of it of size with projection mapping and what they decide to do is use it not for a show, but for a storytelling effect. Uh, they had a scare zone, one of six that year, called Acid Assault. And the gimmick was that it was set sometime in, you know, a post-apocalyptic Earth where acid rain had gotten so terrible that, that buildings were tumbling down around us. And so what they did is they projection mapped three and four of the buildings in the New York section of the park. And you could actually stand in there, and they, they would do... This combination of a projection and a 3D soundscape effect of the buildings crumbling down around you as the acid rain took effect. And it was this really cool effect. Mm -hmm. But then they kept sort of trading back and forth. I mean, did you manage to make it up to Disneyland during the 60th anniversary celebration? Or We didn't have the opportunity to, but uh, YouTube exists for for a reason. There we go. For people like us who who live on the East Coast Mm -hmm. and doing that cross North America trek, just, mm-hmm. you know, not enough. Oh, what are you that? Like, um, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. All right. I Canada, know, you just, live in Canada. I live in New Hampshire, California. It's is, 10 hours. It's very no, far it's away. Not worth it. Okay. But, <laughs> but that year as part of the 60th anniversary, they debuted the Disneyland forever show and they did a projection show down the entire length of main street USA. And there were also components of it that were shown in, out at a small world mall, both sides of the street had projection mapping and suddenly you were in an orange grove and it was just this wonderful little moment. It's like, oh yeah, this is how it started. That Walt stood here in an orange grove and only he could see that, all right, this could be small town America with a castle at the end of the street. Anyway, we jump ahead to June of 2016, Shanghai Disneyland opens. That's got the Pirates of the Caribbean Battle of, uh, for the Sunken Treasure. But that one, it's used sparingly, but there's some really great effects. They take Jack and they have a skeleton projected on the AA figure that when the projection is turned off, suddenly there's an animatronic Jack Skellington standing there. And it's just this amazing transition. Jump ahead another year, April 2017, we've now got the Happily Ever After show at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. And... This is the most elaborate use of projection at the Disney parks to date. Universal looks at this and goes, okay, you guys keep doing just buildings. We're going to do buildings too, but we're going to do it differently. They do, uh, May of 2018. That's when the Universal Spectacle Night Parade, Best of Hollywood, debuts at uh, Universal Studios Japan. And it's this crazy parade. But when vehicles pass through certain sections of the park, suddenly what they'll do is they'll project on both sides of the street the city 
that's, you know, in the middle of a Transformer Decepticons battle. And, you know, when you're standing at the, in the middle of the parade route and suddenly there's a parade, you know, giant Transformer in front of you and behind you, you have this battle going on. It's just, you are literally in the action. July of that very same year, we had the Universal Cinematic Celebration Show debut uh, out on Universal Studios Lagoon in Florida. And in the foreground, you had your fountains, you had your water screens, and they would project things on that. But they would use also the buildings along the waterfront, from like the Transformers show building along toward uh, Fast and Furious. And whatever was happening on the lagoon, they would back this up with cinematic elements. I mean, for example, mm-hmm. when you saw... When it's the Harry Potter sequence in the show and you had the Dementors flying over the water, what they did on the buildings in the background is they'd have them crust over with ice because, of course, that's what happens when there are Dementors around. For Universal, it always seems to be about, let's use this for storytelling. Let's use this to back up the story we're telling. Whereas Disney, I mean, January of this year, we had... Mickey's Mixed Magic debut in the Main Street USA corridor. But now they turn this space into a, a high-tech dance party. Everyone who's talking about, you know, Galaxy's Edge, there's a number of us who were still like, what's going to happen with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway? Because that's the first projection mapped show where it's like, this is where we use all of the tricks. Having these set pieces that can change into different shapes. I mean, they're solid white set pieces when you get deep into the building, but -hmm. they can transform into different shapes that then can be projected on. And in much the same way how a cartoon in seconds can take you from, say, the desert to the depths of the jungle, this ride's going to do that. So it really is transforming the theme park industry. But to swing all the way back to... How we got this projection show. We have to jump back to June 2010. It's the opening night party for the very first Wizarding World. And Universal wanted something special, so they contacted the Thinkwell group. So they were hired basically to create a show that could be shown during the festivities of the opening night party. And what they did is they actually culled images out of the Harry Potter films, coupled with a couple of things they, they farmed out to other companies. But again, because of all the copyright issues involved and the live orchestra with John Williams, not something you can do every day. But if you, you want to actually get a sense of what this show is like, if you go to YouTube, Attractions Magazine actually has footage of this thing and everyone was wowed. It wasn't something that could necessarily be replicated. In fact, just four years later, The Wizarding World of Harry Potter opens at Universal Studios Japan. You look at the footage that's out there right now from the opening. They do confetti, they do fireworks, but they don't do projections. Jump ahead to April 2016. Here we are, opening night party for Universal Studios Hollywood's version of The Wizarding World. Same thing, we got John Williams conducting a live orchestra. We got a fireworks show happening over Hogwarts Castle. But now we're back to a projection show. But what's interesting, it's not just projections on the rock below the castle. We've got projections on the castle itself. We've stepped away from using the footage from the film. We've now Mm -hmm. gone out and hired a house to do some pretty impressive CG. And we, we have this piece of footage 
about five minutes long, uh, that celebrates the four houses of Hogwarts. The Slytherin, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and of course Gryffindor. Meanwhile, because they, they do such cool stuff in Japan, we get the Death Eaters Attack show, which, mind you, it's a street show. But this happens in September and runs to early November. But what they do is they, they pump all of this artificial fog into the streets of Hogsmeade. And so you'll be walking down the street and son of a Death Eater will loom up out of the darkness. And same window of time, November of 2016, we have the Starbright Holiday Show out on Lake Buena Vista. And, and you, you got to see this drones thing. Yeah, and we were. This was during the time when we were talking about uh, the possibility mm. of the drones being used for the next iteration of uh, Illuminations. Yep. And we were trying to figure out, okay, if this can be done at Disney Springs, mm-hmm. what's the next level? Drones were fairly new in in the consumer mm-hmm. world, so having three hundred drones flying in unison and you know basically telling a story mm-hmm. was fairly groundbreaking no oh, i agree so that was definitely something that when we were talking about the idea of having dementors over in japan it perfect time frame less than six months later we have the dementors attack show at universal studios japan this this perhaps is the most elaborate harry potter themed show that's been done to date all right so again we have what looks like the Dementor footage from the Thinkwell show that was done for IOA's opening night party looks like it was the jumping off point inspiration for this. So we have projections of the Dementors, you know, on the rocks below the castle, up on the castle. We have live actors in the street who were like, oh my God, look, Dementors, everyone be careful. And then we have actors up on the, the rooftops of Hogsmeade who suddenly get menaced by these elaborate, oversized puppet versions of Dementors. But the one that really blew everybody's mind is, you got to remember over at Japan, because of the way that park is situated, they were actually able to create the Black Lake. They, were, they, they have a, you know, a significant piece of water next to the castle, next to Hogsmeade Village. And because they had this body of water, they could have Dementor drones out over the lake. And that was evidently the thing that absolutely blew people's minds, that this show would start and they'd look out over the Black Lake and it's like, what am I looking at here? And it's like, those are Dementors flying out over the water. And this is the handicap because of the the, the lawyers, at least stateside. It's just the whole notion of there has to be this zone of protection and Evidently, in Japan, they're, they're a little looser in the whole zone of protection thing. So that's April of 2017. That show debuts. June of 2017, we get our first projection show, The Nighttime Lights of Hogwarts Castle. That debuts at Universal Studios Japan. And this really, as I mentioned, is basically the same imagery that was used at the opening night party in Hollywood. The, uh, you know, the celebration of the four houses... And then everyone asks, oh, when's that coming to Florida? And the, yep. the answer was not soon, because what you're getting first is the magic of Christmas at Hogwarts. And uh, that debuts November 18th, 2017. And less than a week later, same show bows at Universal Studios Hollywood. And then after the holidays, finally in January of 2018, we get the Nighttime Lights of Hogwarts finally shows up. And then... In March of last year, Nighttime Hogwarts Lights 
at Hogwarts Castle returns. And but that's initially just for selected weekends and eventually goes out to seven days a week. And when Universal announced that these projection shows were going to begin at the parks. And remember, our very first one is June of 2017, the nighttime lights at, you know, at uh, Hogwarts Castle in Hollywood. They were told that three shows were coming. And in fact, they had a name like 18 months ago, the Dark Arts at Hogwarts Castle. If I looked at this, I would think this would be ideal to drop in that September, October Halloween Horror Night window. Sure. Because it's got mountain trolls, it's got Thestrals in theory, Aragog the spider makes an appearance, Voldemort himself supposedly appears as part of the show. Now, what have you got about this premiere event again? The premiere event that we were talking about, April 11th and 12th. Right. So that's going to be, guests will be treated to a premium catered feast of foods, beverages, desserts. Mm -hmm. But what, what was interesting to me is that they're bringing out a new wand. Yeah. So they're they're going to be debuting this new one. No one knows what it is yet, mm-hmm. but it'll be exclusive to this event. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of this um, of going forward with Harry Potter, you know, events on site and, and around the world. People want to buy exclusive things. Mm-hmm. They want this opportunity to get something that no one else has. So I think that's a really, really big thing. With the the event itself, we've talked about the idea that with special ticket, um, extra ticketed events, they sell out incredibly quickly. So what they're talking right now is that it's going to sell out. So you want to go to uh, the Universal Studios Hollywood page and advanced purchase is definitely recommended because as soon as they're sold out, that's it. There's no limited or there's no bank of extra tickets that they're going to be releasing it's you know a a fixed location Mm -hmm. so the dark arts at hogwarts castle then after this uh premiere event on the 11th and the 12th will open to the public on saturday april uh, 13th 2019 and will continue through until sunday the 28th um and keep in mind this is hollywood studio or universal studios hollywood yep. that's where we're talking about all the intelligence we have right now folks suggests that sometime in the same window of time of the opening of hagrid's magical creatures motorcycle adventure at universal island adventure though we may say the dark arts at hogwarts castle show debut then but maybe we'll know more on the 12th when they they talk up the show So, and speaking of the show, we're going to take a quick break here, folks. But when we get back, we're going to talk about Shid Scheinberg and his impact not only on Universal, but uh, the Disney parks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If you've listened to the Disney Dish podcast, or I want that over the past month or so, you've heard our tributes to Ron Miller and Dave Smith, but but Sid Sheinberg, as far as any, you know, as far as the Universal Orlando Resort goes, uh, you know, is just as important as Ron Miller and Dave Smith were to Disney fans, and, and maybe even more so. Dustin, you were talking about Kim Masters' wonderful book, The Keys to the Kingdom. There are stories in there that date back to July 29, 1981, which was when Michael Eisner was supposedly in the Jack Webb bungalow. This is a building on the Universal Studios Hollywood lot. And he was there as a representative for Paramount Pictures. He was still working for that company at that time. And this was when MCA Recreation, the folks who do the Universal theme parks, or did back in the day, they were looking to partner with Paramount with the hope that the two of them would come in together to fund construction of what was then known as Universal City Florida, uh, which was supposed to be the East Coast answer to Universal Studios' Hollywood's tram tour experience. And Eisner, according to eyewitnesses, sat through this entire two-hour-long presentation, uh, which went attraction by attraction through the entire theme park that, that MCA Recreation wanted to build in Florida. Not only that, but Michael, once the presentation was complete, supposedly asked some very specific questions about the Universal's City Florida project, construction timetables and the like, and none of this would have mattered if Michael had remained at Paramount. But late September 1984, we all know what happened. You know, Michael was installed by Disney's board of directors as the new head of the Mouse House. And 130 days later, on February 7th, 1985, Eisner stood on stage at the Anaheim Convention Center. He's providing on over his first ever shareholders meeting. And at that time, he reveals that the Walt Disney Company is planning on building a major studio tour in Florida. This is when the Imagineers hadn't decided whether or not it was going to be a standalone, separate gated attraction or it was going to be part of that entertainment pavilion they proposed for Epcot. You, you've seen the art for that, right? Yeah, and with, with the land being where it is, and uh, right beside that journey into imagination being where it is, there's actually an expansion pad. And when you're walking past it, it's, it's a hill that goes nowhere. Mm. But that's because it was designed originally to be that entertainment pavilion. Mm. Now, granted, over the last couple of years, things have changed. They've added that third uh, theater for Soren. Um, so that spot is completely taken from this point forward. But as Disney has always said, and all the imagination uh, Imagineers have always said, there's never a bad idea that goes away. It just gets repurposed. As the months went on in 1985 and 86, Details began to leak out of WDI about what Disney was planning on building in Florida, and it became more and more apparent that Eisner had basically directly lifted a lot of the key concepts for 
from Disney's major studio tour from that presentation for Universal Studios Florida that he had sat in on back in July of 1981. Now, a lesser man, knowing that Disney already had a clear advantage in Central Florida, a 14-year head start, if you will, another man would have folded their cards, walked away from an enormous challenge like this. But not Sid Scheinberg. Especially not after MTA Recreation had already plowed $40 million in the development of Universal Cities Florida. Scheinberg was offended by what he thought, saw as a breach of Hollywood ethics, which I know sounds like a bit of an oxymoron, but to Sid's old school way of thinking, Michael had broken the rules by using everything that he had seen and heard inside the Jack, you know, Webb bungalow again back in July. And he won against Universal. So Scheinberg didn't do what Eisner hoped he might fold his tent and steal away. Sid decided to press forward with construction of the Universal City Florida project, show the world that that ravenous rat Sid said this when he was trying to convince Bob Graham, who was then the governor of Florida, uh, to get behind the Universal City Florida project. And he, so he turns to Graham and says, do you really want the little mouse to become a one large ravenous rat? That's awesome. I, I, I like to think so myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Universal Studios Florida, that's what phase one of the Universal Cities Florida project project, which is now, of course, known as Universal Orlando Resort was called. All right, it got off to a shaky start in June of 1990. It wasn't Scheinberg's nature to back down from a fight, and Sid's scrappy attitude actually became part of the DNA of the Universal Orlando Resort. And even to this day, Universal team members rise to every challenge. They certainly don't back down from a fight, especially any fight that involves a certain three-fingered mouse. So tell you what, folks, the next time you're in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, be sure when you next hoist a butterbeer to toast the memory of Sid Scheinberg, because if he hadn't dug in his heels back in 1985 and decided that there was just no way in hell that Disney was going to chase MCA recreation out of the Central Florida market, well, you have to wonder if, if there would have been a Universal Orlando resort at all. And... Dustin and I have something rather cool to announce that actually has stuff to do with the Universal Orlando Resort. We're, we're going to be doing our first live event. It's called, it's a Universal Christmas with Jim, with special guest Dustin Fuse. It's the nice folks at uh, Storybook Destination, Tammy Whiting and her group, who do such a nice job with the events that Len and I have done down there and last year with Drew Taylor. And this year, November 15th through the 18th. Uh, maybe they'll have some of that rum left. Well, I, we'll save the rum for <laughs> after we're off the clock here. Because Dust, oh, okay. Dustin and I will be in full-on dancing bear mode for this entire trip. I mean, for example, first night, Friday, uh, November 15th, we're going to have a meetup at the Cabana Bay Baylander Diner, which is a wonderful throwback to 60s comfort food and that sort of thing. But... After that, the bunch of us were headed out to do a resort decorations tour and kind of try to end the evening at the on the top of the Aventura Hotel at the Bay 17 Bistro. Next day, Saturday the 16th, we're doing a walk around of the Universal Studios Florida after a private breakfast in the park and 
Dustin and I will be sharing all sorts of stories, <laughs> some of them about what Sid Scheinberg had to do with the, you know, the opening of the park. And we'll finish out the day by catching the uh, Universal Holiday Parade featuring Macy's and, and then head on over for a dessert party at, at the Cinematic Celebration, which, by the way, last show you talked about that, right? That, that's something they're offering as part of the Mardi Gras Celebration right about now, right? Yeah, and any time that you get that special viewing location mm -hmm. for Cinematic Celebration mixed in with desserts, mm -hmm. I just think that makes sense. So that that's going to be probably the highlight of that day, 100%. The next day, you know, has some pretty cool stuff too. Well, yeah, start off with a private breakfast at Margaritaville out in Universal City Walk, and then we're over at Islands walking around and sharing some of the stories about the creation of that park and how things have obviously changed since, wow, they'll be celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. Yeah, and we're going to definitely a lot of construction news and talking about what's going to be happening with uh, Jurassic Park slash World. And mm -hmm. by that point, Hagrid's will be up and running. So there's there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be bringing into that talk. Definitely a, a, a must here. And then... Before we head out of that park, we're going to catch a showing of the Grinch Holiday Spectacular. Then it's back to the Lowe's Sapphire Falls Resort, where Dustin and I are going to record a live Universal Joint podcast and share some special stories with you. And then once we wrap up the podcast, we're back into Ireland so we can all see the magic of Christmas at Hogwarts Projection Show, which you folks now know way too much about. Monday morning before we all head out, it's an 8 a.m. meetup at Voodoo Donuts where because I'm the diabetic, I'm just going to look at them. And because I'm not. There we go. <laughs> well, it's okay. From what, if anyone has gone on to Instagram or uh, seen any videos of, of people going through Voodoo Donuts, you'll want to be there. Lots of calories for everyone. It looks like it's going to be one, one heck of an event. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. The last couple of ones have been so much fun and such nice people have come out. We'd, we'd love for you all to come and join Dustin and I. Again, this is November 15th through the 18th, and we're going to be staying at the Lowe's Sapphire Falls. And if you want details about pricing and booking and all that stuff, please get in touch with Tammy and her team over at Storybook Destinations. They do good stuff. We're waiting on news about the Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorcycle Adventure, uh, which again, in theory, they're going to release information on the 12th, but... So we'll discuss that in our next show, Dustin. But if they can't wait to hear from you, where can they find you online? So I'm over at uh, stepstomagic.com. Trip planning for Universal and Disney World. Hundreds of articles, everything that you can imagine. And I take requests. So just the other day, we had someone who asked uh, about how to trip plan for folks who don't have kids. And those types of events are, you know, going to Disney or going to Universal. Most people think that that's a, a spot that only families go. And there is so much to do when you don't have kids that it's thinking outside the box and knowing that you can sleep in, you can 
rope drop. You can do whatever you want, stay out all night. I have fun with that type of a thing. So with Universal being uh, in this ever uh, expanding mode with new dining and new parks and all this other stuff, it's just it's a great time to be in the industry. So I'm over at StepsTheMagic.com, heavily on Pinterest, every so often over on Instagram, but I've just... I just have fun with this. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. My side of the fence. Got the podcast that started it all with with Lentesta, Disney Dish, the Marvelous Disney Podcast. We also have Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. We also have Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. And I Want That, our new, brand new merch podcast. And we'll be back shortly with a new show as soon as some more news about certain motorbike attraction breaks but for now uh, on behalf of mr fuse i want to thank you for listening in tonight and again we'll be back soon with a brand new show it's been groovy having you hang with us for the universal joint tune in again for this and other great podcasts found on the jim hill media network <laughs>